So does science and the Bible really match when it comes to dating and relationships, marriage, and even having children? I'm afraid it does. Stay tuned to this podcast and we will find out how Huberman's take on science and the Bible's take on relationships match together completely. Everyone, and thank you again for joining me on Trade Talks. And I'm excited again to combine what Huberman's Lab teaches us about science and what the Bible teaches us about life and how they come together. And today it's going to get maybe a little touchy as we talk about relationships and we talk about sexual relationships and we talk about family, but how they all tie together and what Huberman brings out in an interview that brings out 4.5 million viewers and what the Bible says about having children. Now, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible when it talks about having kids and in a relationship, okay, it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when, when Elkanah the priest was talking to his wife Hannah, and she couldn't have children, and she was all discouraged about it, and he looks at her, and, and in all sincerity, he says, but Hannah, am I not better to you than even having 10 sons? Now, now, how is Hannah, the poor girl, supposed to answer that? I mean, yes, yeah, she loves her husband, and yes, I'm sure he's been a wonderful husband, but does he, as a husband, take the place in her mind as having children? No, nor can it. Okay, why? Because there's an inward desire built inside of us that longs to reproduce ourselves. Huberman says in his interview that it's actually in our circuitry. Okay, what does he mean by circuitry? It's how we were created. So how we were created as beings, and he says this goes to all species, from rodents, especially mammals and humans, that we are made and we have been designed to reproduce ourselves. Man, what a thought, right? What does God tell Adam and Eve? He puts them together. It's a plan. Man and woman, male and female. He puts them together in the Garden of Eden. He says, be fruitful and multiply. He tells them to go have children. Replenish the earth. And they did a pretty good job at it, but things went a little bad, and that's another podcast. But Adam and Eve have children in God's perfect plan. And it's in our makeup. It's in our DNA to reproduce. So so when when Hannah wants to have a child, this is a natural longing. Okay, this is why the the infertility um associations in and why the drug companies are making millions and millions of dollars. Okay, that's why so many people are investing Okay, in in vitro and trying to have children because it's our desire to have kids. And what's staggering is the European Society for Human Reproduction and Embryology says that 25 million, they are predicting that 25 million couples in Europe will experience infertility by 2025. Now, that's a staggering statistic. And what's causing that? Well, that's another Huberman lab, I guess, in the future. But I know right now what is going on is we have women and we have couples desiring to have children. And that is an awesome God-given desire. 
Now, does that mean everyone's going to be able to have children? No. Does that mean that God once should have everyone pregnant and having children? No. God chooses some specifically, maybe to not have children. Maybe God knows specifically that that it's best for some to adopt, and in his providential plan, has just the right child for just the right couple, for them to take into their homes, for them to adopt. That's God's business, and that's what God does. But the overall natural created being says that we are to have children. Now, what does that mean then to be fruitful and multiply, to have children? Does that justify what we're seeing in our world today when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to the life that we're living? I don't think so. You know, if 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 Elkanah was better than 10 sons— What's he saying then is relationship with me and this invested sexual, emotional relationship that we have with each other is better than children. And that's that's what's going on, bottom line. That's why we're seeing all this immorality. That's why we're seeing upside down pineapples. That's why we're seeing everything happen in, in society as we have it today because we're putting such an emphasis on the sexuality and our culture is so involved in that that we're missing the point. Yes, God has given us that inside the realms of the home, inside the realms of our marriages to enjoy, and we'll talk about how that draws us closer together in God's plan. But ultimate purpose then, too, is to give us this relationship in order to reproduce ourselves, okay, in order for us to have children. And it's fascinating when you look at it and see how this all comes together, okay, in in our psyche and how God has made us. So God then prohibits all kinds of behavior, sexual behavior outside of the marriage union. Okay. And and he does that in, in telling us that we need to what? We need to leave and we need to cleave, right? We are not to have a sexual relationship with multiple women. Women, we are not, you're not to have a sexual relationship with multiple men. We were made to enjoy the sexual relationship with one. And God has created this sexual relationship to be enjoyed in this way. But you see these desires in people in in how they come out. You know, if you remember when Amnon had a friend and then after the act of, of illicit rape that takes place, he kicks Tamar out and says, never see me again. And she's like, what you're doing to me now is worse than the act that you committed to me. What is going on? Well, he's anticipating this event and planning this event. And when this event goes awry, if it doesn't satisfy the way that he felt that it was going to satisfy, then he, our minds and the dopamine crash says, we just suffered a major loss. And this is how he reacts. Outside of the, the sexuality, think about Michael Phelps. I mean, Michael Phelps wins, what, 28 medals? He has 23 gold medals. And the next thing we know, we see pictures of Michael Phelps doing drugs and smoking marijuana. He locks himself in his room for three or four days and loses the will to live. I mean, this is the guy who who 
looks like he's accomplished it all, and now he's lower than he's ever been. I have talked personally to Olympic athletes who have gone through the very same thing. They said one athlete who won the gold medal in 2000 looked at me and said, I was on the top of the world, but on the inside, I was the lowest I'd ever been. How? Because of this dopamine drop. Their whole lives or this all this time and energy um, was, was building and building, craving something. And when they finally received it, they didn't know how to handle it. And there was nothing else to do. There was nothing else to accomplish. And they dropped. I've watched this on my own children. My daughter for the last year has been building and building and building, knowing that they had the team that was going to win the state championships in volleyball. No other team has won state championships in our school. They were going to be the first trophy. And and they did, and they won. And literally, she comes home, gets on the couch, and says, now what? That wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. No, it was. But now that that dopamine in her 13-year-old brain had dropped, and all this time she'd been building for it, now what? So now she's wanting lessons and do this and do that. She's trying to build upon it. And we just hit the brakes, which I think is best, and Huberman even says it's best, to take a step back and let things process. Because if you continue to build on steps of failure, it's just going to get worse. So when we look at marriage then, and we look at a couple that's joined together, okay, God has designed them to come together, and God says, what I have joined together, let no man put asunder, and that joining together, the word used in the Hebrew was cleave, and you don't have to be a Hebrew or Jewish scholar to understand what God meant when he said cleave, okay, that's the idea of being super glued, that's wood glue, nothing can break that. And God says, I've put you together to become one, to have more than one, to become one, to reproduce yourselves. And that's why children are amazing. And I look at the kids and all their bad habits come from their mother and all their good habits come from me. No, that they're a mix of the two of us, of our DNA within them, because her and I have become one. And by that, we've been able to reproduce ourselves. And listen to me, when a board is glued together, you try to break that board apart. You're not going to break it apart on the joint where it was glued. It's going to break the board somewhere, but it's not going to be where they've come together. And you mess around in your marriages, you have affairs, you're going to break that board. You're going to break your spouse. And as hard as you try, there's going to be pieces of that that you're never, ever going to be able to put back together. So God has joined us together, okay, and, and giving, given us this opportunity to become one in marriage. And, and it even goes, as we think about this, even further than that. I mean, you, you look at how God has designed us and how he's, he's put this prolactin inside of us, and, and then when when we act in the act of sexuality and marriage, God has created us then to be able to not continue doing that, but to enjoy each other. And there's actual, Huberman goes on in this podcast and talks about the chemicals that are released okay, through the skin okay, and through sweat. And, and through our bodies that actually react to one another that create not only a bond sexually, but then this bond emotionally, 
okay? And all this is released and all this happens in this sexual union. And so that's why Solomon says, why would you be joined to a stranger? Why would I want that with somebody I don't even know, with a harlot? Okay, why would I want a prostitute to come in? And why would I want to experience that bonding with somebody I don't know? But you can say, well, I don't know them and it's okay, but it's not. I have had people sit in my office and tell me I don't remember their names, but I'll never forget their faces. Why? Because of this. Because God has created us to have a sexual union with one, to enjoy that bonding that only comes in that relationship. It can't come in a homosexual relationship. It's It can't be what it needs to be in multiple relationships. It needs to be in this one relationship. And God has brought us together to enjoy that bonding and to enjoy each other, to reproduce ourselves, okay, and, and see us then become examples, yes, but to see us and our children become workers of his kingdom, to to become an example of the unity of the Trinity, the three in one, where Jesus says, I do always those things that please the Father. And so you have this union of three in one, and in marriage we have this union of two in one, and then with our children to go out and to bear our image, but more importantly, God's image and to do his work as they are sent out. So so in this interview, Huberman is talking about the uniqueness of this bond, the uniqueness how two become one, the uniqueness of how not only sexually, but thereafter our bodies and chemically, we are joined together through the chemicals and the hormones that the bodies produce or don't produce. And all of that is to enhance this bonding relationship Okay, within the marriage bed, so then we can bear children from that point on even. So I'm just asking you today to think twice before you start messing around outside of the walls of your home. Because you can say it's a casual relationship. You can call it a friend with benefits. You can say whatever you want. We just want to spice up our marriage a little bit. And we just we just wanted to add a little more excitement. Look, when we get involved sexually with someone that is not our spouse, look, you can say it's casual. You can say it's it's just a friend with benefits. You can say it's not a big deal. You can say, ah, it's in another country. No one is going to know. But the bonding that takes place outside of marriage in a union that God has only designed for the marriage, you cannot forget it. You might be able to come home. You might not have a name. You might not have contact information. But their image is constantly embedded in the brains of your mind because you have been connected to that person in a sexual union. Two have become one or three if we're messing around. But chemically, there's been bonds exchanged that can't be destroyed. So God has given us something greatly to enjoy. I'm just asking you to enjoy that relationship that you have within the confines of your home and don't ever, ever think about experimenting outside of it. Science tells us that's the way it needs to be, and so does the Scriptures.